What is going on, Exposed Ones? It's your guy, Jay North. And it's been a long time. Almost two months, to be exact. Life has been crazy, but life has been good. And this podcast is going to be short and sweet and all about perspective. And uh, I'm happy to report that this is the first podcast that I am doing in our new home. My wife and I recently moved which definitely contributed to a lot of the chaos that we were experiencing over the summer. I don't even remember the summer. If I'm being totally 100% honest with y'all. So anybody that's still digging in after your boy took almost a two-month hiatus from creating any podcast content, thank you so much for tuning in and listening and hanging out with me again. Uh, Wherever you are, whether you're sitting in the comforts of your own home or you're driving down the street, shout out to Louis Flores, one of the truck drivers I know who likes to spend a portion of his day with Jay North in the cab of his truck. Thank you, Louis, and I hope all is well, big guy. It was nice to see you last month. Speaking of seeing people, and again, this podcast is more or less going to be about perspective and appreciation and a little bit about marriage, but my buddy Jay Gordon, who you guys have heard on this podcast just notified me this morning that he and his wife are coming to see us for American Thanksgiving. And I almost fell out of my chair and shit on the floor because, again, to give you perspective, it will have been 22 months since we have been able to get together. Friends of ours, dear friends of ours that we met On our anniversary vacation, our 10-year anniversary vacation in the Dominican Republic, we just kicked it off, hit it off, spent the entire week with those guys, became really good friends, and we were pretty much going back and forth across the border uh, one way or the other, either them coming to us or us going to them every two to three months. You know, it was a nice little ride to Hamilton, Ontario. We've done a podcast from his kitchen, dining room, I should say. And uh, he's done a podcast at the old house, not this house. Uh, We'll change that over Thanksgiving. But I just had to sit there and reflect it for a minute because everything that's been going on, and this podcast, again, it's not going to be political. It's not really going to be about COVID, vax, unvax, you know, do you, boo. Um, But the thing is, it has affected everybody in some way, shape, or form, Um, you know, And we haven't been able to do some of the things that, you know, you hate to say take for granted because this is America and, you know, it's supposed to be a free country. And, you know, some people felt like these restrictions were infringing on civil liberties and things of that nature. And, you know, for me, and I I will admit I fell down the rabbit hole, you know, my podcast went from a slapstick, goofball, crazy son of a bitch, let's try to make you laugh to, you know, for a while there, I was getting sucked into the COVID crap and I was getting sucked into the political crap. And uh, honestly, at the end of the day, it's just one giant shit sandwich. And I'm going to refrain from talking about that stuff anymore because, you know, to be honest with you guys, that's not really me. You know, I'm not a political analyst. I think both sides suck. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt like I say, I fell down that rabbit hole and uh, kind of got into it a little bit. And, you know, at the end of the day, I figured, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, you don't know any of these people personally, and you know, they don't know you personally. And I'd be willing to bet they don't give two shits about a guy named Jay North. So 
Anyway, perspective. I just, I realized it had been 22 months since we can simply hop in our car, show our passports to a border guard, tell them why we're going, and, uh, you know, go have some shenanigans with our Canadian friends. And they're only two and a half hours away by car, and I, I swear to God, 30 minutes of it is spent at the border. And it's sad and it's unfortunate, but we're excited and we are just grateful to be turning the corner, you know, as you say, and be able to get back together and have a hell of a time. So that's kind of where I'm going. The perspective has been, you know, we've all been affected by this. People have been limited. You know, we all saw videos on social media of people saying hi to Nana through the window and that loneliness that sort of creeps in. You realize you haven't done stuff with your friends. You realize that, you know, you lost a portion of time a portion or percentage of your life, however you want to look at it, living under some crazy times. And uh, my message would be to keep your head up because throughout human history, if you do crack a history book or if you just paid attention in school for a little bit, there's been periods of adversity uh, quite regularly throughout human history. And, you know, some of that uh, adversity throughout human history is quite ugly, you know. Um, we just had, what, Columbus Day the other day? Yeah, there's there's some ugliness about that, you know. There's some, you know, there's, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, it's okay to talk about the ugly. It's, uh, but the thing is this, as human beings, that we're here now. And uh, we make some progressive changes and we realize that, if you, if you spend time with people and you listen to people, uh, whether you're black, white, gay, straight, trans, if you really get to know the individual and you get past the stereotype labels, we're all, we all have a lot more in common uh, than you realize. And, you know, that's kind of the cool thing about having a, a diverse group of friends. Um, I did a podcast a few months ago about a challenge group and what that exactly looks like and who those people are in your life that you can kind of have differing opinions, but at the same time have a civil conversation and understand and respect each other and just kind of, you know, find some common ground. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. So, Again, it's just wrapping in a nutshell, guys. It's just good to finally, you know, it sounds stupid, but it's good to go back and have bowling night. Uh, it's been great because I bowl in a league. Uh, it's been great to be able to go back to my daughter's soccer games with more than one parent. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the kids were greatly affected by this as well. Uh, basically a year and a half of school spent remotely or half there, half remote. And uh, this year, our school district is back to five days in-person school. And what a difference it has had on my kids. And hopefully uh, for those of you that, you know, I think for the most part, all the kids are back to school in person five days a week. But, you know, if you're a parent and you've had school-aged children for the last several years, I'm pretty confident that you saw uh, what they were going through the last year and a half before this school year kicked off. There was 
there was some sadness. I, I guess that's the only way I can really describe it, you know, based on how I'm observing my own children now. I mean, they seem happier. They seem healthier. Their social lives are good. Uh, for what it's worth, their grades are so much better. Uh, even my son, who can, you know, he's, he's put us through the ringer a little bit academically and, you know, sort of like his dad, he likes to be the class clown. That was sort of me back in the day. Um, but I was able to organize and get my work done. And when you have a child that has issues with organization and staying on track and staying motivated, and then, oh, by the way, you know, you've got two working parents, you know, there was a lot of independent uh, the kids had to be independent is what I'm trying to say. And when you have a kid that needs to be redirected by an adult, you know, more times than not, that was a huge challenge. So again, here we are, it's October, uh, what, 15th or whatever the hell it is. And, you know, it's been, kids have been back to school for the last several weeks. Uh, my daughter just concluded her first soccer season with the school team. They did a hell of a job. They had eight wins, two losses, uh, two ties, I'm sorry, and one loss. Uh, great season for them. Just to see the camaraderie and the relationships that they're building. And, and that piece has been missing for the last, you know, 18 months of their school lives. So, you know, it's all starting to come together. I think for me, my perspective is a, a massive amount of appreciation for what we had, you know, prior to the COVID, prior to, you know, things shutting down. And now, you know, we try to put our best foot forward, uh, try to do what's right collectively for society. Um, you know, again, there's there's going to be people that are on the fence about getting vaxxed. And, you know, that's, that's your discretion. I, I don't, I don't criticize individuals, because, you know, at the same time, if you if you make the decision to get vax, you have ultimately, in my opinion, protected yourself. Uh, so I don't really sit here and, you know, throw shade at those that don't want to be vaccinated. Some of them do have legitimate medical reasons as to why they can't be. Um, and that, that advice comes from their doctor. And yeah, then some people, you know, and, and again, it was very easy to fall into the political rabbit hole. I think that's where a lot of this divisiveness comes from, is politics. Uh, and quite frankly, that's why I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, that's that's kind of where I'm going with this. I, I, I want to just go back to, you know, talking life on these podcasts. And I realize you can make the argument that, you know, politics is part of our life. But what would happen if we kind of started ignoring these folks and not giving them, and not give them, I should say, all this power over how we think and feel, uh, for some folks, overly consumed by it on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-to-minute basis. And uh, again, if you were already that way before all this stuff started going on, I think this just elevated uh, those feelings in these people. Um, and, you know, all I'll do is continue to pray for, for them to reach some sort of clarity on all this stuff that's been going on because it's just good to start to feel like we are getting back to normal. Now, what does normal mean? This is perspective. The labor force right now, and I you know, I can only speak on the United States of America. I can't speak on everywhere else, even though I do have a good idea uh, from friends and, you know, colleagues, guys I play soccer with that aren't from America originally. 
there's there's a little bit of a labor shortage crisis almost everywhere and it makes you wonder like what came of that how did this happen um you guys know i i've mentioned before on here i work in the optical industry uh and almost i would say 80 percent of my clients are short-staffed and you know i'm not talking just missing one person i'm talking missing two three sometimes four you know places are hiring all over the place but they're having a hard time finding help uh, so when you do go out again, this, this is all about just perspective. Uh, if you go out to dinner, if you go out to the bars, if you, if you go to your doctor's office, if you, if you go to your eye doctor's office, if you go into your dentist, uh, try to have a little patience and a little bit of empathy because the folks that do show up for work are probably working harder now than they would have been, you know, three years ago before all this happened because they would have been staffed accordingly. Uh, my cousin, he's been on here before uh, doing fantasy football. My cousin, Mike, he sent me a picture. Uh, he, he's, in the car, he's in the automotive business. And he sent me a picture of the car lot, the new car lot, uh, from the place that he works. And he just captioned the picture, what a difference a year makes. So on the top photo, that was like basically, you know, before the automobile shortage of new cars really came about so that lot was full the picture on the bottom that he took last night there was two damn cars that were brand new on the lot so he just he he texted me back and he goes so yes when people tell you that we're using this inventory shortage as a sales gimmick just please laugh at them for me and he's not the only guy i know that works in the car business i got another dear friend uh my buddy ricky who uh, my wife and i just got to share in their wedding day a couple weeks ago so congratulations to ricky he's also in the automotive business he can vouch for this and if you know anybody that's in the sales or in the underwriting departments in these businesses you'll know that the inventory uh, is incredibly limited and it's almost like the housing market. We just went through it. This housing market was freaking crazy. You had people going forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars over asking. Um, you know, my wife and I, I think we were blessed. We pretty much got this place for the asking price. Uh, we really wanted it. So it's just amazing how it works out because we didn't think we had a shot in hell. Um, you know, financially, the numbers were there, but you know, just how competitive the market has been. Uh, we just kind of threw caution into the wind and her and I were talking about it on the porch at the old house. And, you know, I just remember vividly telling her, hey, listen, you know, we want the house. We don't think we're going to get it. But I can tell you if we don't put an offer in, we're definitely not going to get it. So let's just roll the dice. Let's put the offer in. And thank God we got it. But the automotive industry is sort of the same way right now. You've got people basically that aren't even dickering with the salesman anymore. They, they need that car so bad that they're just like, yeah, I'll take it for the sticker price, uh, which is unheard of. And that's just kind of where we're at, it, you know, in, in these times today. I mean, there's gas prices obviously have gone up, um, you know, which drives the cost of product up. It drives wholesale pricing up from a business to business relationship side of things. Um, it creates, in some situations, it creates back orders. Uh, furniture, for example. I mean, we have pretty much furnished this house uh, thanks to uh, basically Facebook Marketplace. Uh, God help you if you're looking for new furniture. 
Uh, you might be looking at anywhere from three to six months before you can get that bedroom set, get that sofa. Uh, and again, it has to do with, you know, costs going up. It has to do with the labor help going down. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can recover from this. I read an interesting report uh, the other day about uh, just the gap in the labor field because you're going to have, you know, there's those baby boomers that we all talk about. And, uh, you know, the kids have made new catchphrases, okay, boomer. But what's going to happen is is a lot of these quote-unquote boomers are going to start retiring. And there's not enough young people. And I'm seeing it in my industry. And we had a, we had a big NISO event last month at uh, Turning Stone Casino. It was a nice event, but I'd say the uh, participation was probably half of what it usually is. And that was actually one of the presentation talking points was the gap in the labor field. You have more people that are retiring than are actually coming into the field. And what does that look like a year from now, three years from now, five years from now? And how many industries other than optical are in the same boat? Uh, so it's interesting. And you can go on the internet and you could Google search it however you want to, but there's there's a bunch of different uh, articles written on that issue. So is this current labor shortage possibly going to be commonplace for a while? And how do we adjust to it if that's the case? And, you know, these are going to be some of the challenges that we as human beings are going to face. I would say probably, and again, I'm not an expert, guys. I just, I look at what's going on around me and I sort of try to speculate um, but, you know, is it going to be the next three to five years are going to be tough? Is it going to, are we going to rebound faster than that? The other interesting part to the one article I was reading is that less and less people are having as many kids as the generation and two generations before. I mean, nobody's having as many kids as my wife and I's grandparents. So, for example, my wife's dad, my father-in-law, he's one of 10 kids. Uh, prior to that, I, he always came from a big family. Uh, my great grandmother was one of 13 and then my grandmother had six. Um, but you're starting to see less and less people do that. You're starting to see, uh, more married couples have just one kid or some married couples just want to be a power couple. I love you. You love me, but we're not interested in having children. So what is that going to do? Uh, to the future and the state of things as we as we progress and as time goes on. Is that going to cause more problems? I don't know. But these are interesting things that I think in day-to-day life, we don't really get a chance to stop and think about. So, you know, as we're sitting here in 2021, almost 2022, if you could believe it, I mean, that'll be here before you know it. Um, you know, this labor shortage crisis, is this going to become sort of commonplace over the next several years? I guess it's to be determined, but, you know, I can only really speak on the industry that I'm in and there's not a lot of, not a lot of youth movement right now. Um, I get excited when I see a new young optician. I'm like, holy cow, you made it, (laughs) you know, but, uh, every place I go is looking for help. And, you know, this is a specialty. I mean, I'm a licensed optician too. Uh, You got to go through, you know, a certain portion of education for that. You got to either go to uh, one of the three area schools in this area that offer optics. And then after that, you know, if you're smart, 
you, you go and you study up and you take your ABO certification, which is the American Board of Opticianry, and that is basically a uh, national credential. And then I think it's about 22 out of the 50 states. Maybe it's 28 out of the 50 states. I, I used to know that number by heart. I don't anymore. I apologize. But it's maybe 50-50. If you're in a licensed state like we are here in New York, uh, you have to go and sit on your boards and you have to take a state exam and you have to pass that state exam. And then you have to keep, you know, keep up with continuing education credits and, you know, or the state could audit you if you're not doing what you're supposed to do and you could lose your license. So you have to work for it. You absolutely have to work for it. You have to, you have to earn it. And, uh, yeah, just not seeing a lot of youth coming through in this particular industry, uh, which is crazy. I got into it 15 years ago. It'll be 15 years ago this December. And a lot of us, I felt like, were kind of young and promising. And, you know, I started out behind the desk and just kind of looked over one day and go, hey, that kind of looks cool. I kind of want to help people with their glasses. And that's just kind of how it evolved for me. Um, and now I'm blessed and fortunate to be on, you know, the business to business side of it. Uh, well, blessed and fortunate, depending on who you ask. I mean, it's sales. So listen, sometimes it gets a little, gets a little dicey out there, but you know, you get told no a lot, but you know, when you get told yes, it feels so good. And the yeses are usually pretty substantial. So you put your best foot forward, you smile, you look professional, you be friendly. I try to be as friendly as the day is long. Uh, no pressure, but yeah, it's an interesting time that we're living in right now, folks. It's uh, it's crazy, and uh, you know, hopefully we can recover, we can adjust. I know a lot more people are working remotely, uh, so there's been some conversation like, okay, what's going to happen to these offices that are, you know, quote unquote, being closed. But they're not being closed because the business went out of business. They're maybe being downsized or being completely closed because, you know, the CEO, the owner, the president, whatever, whoever the uh, business owner is, is like, wait a minute, I don't need this overhead expense. My people are just as productive from their home office, if not more productive. You know, why am I paying this lease agreement? Why am I paying utilities and rent and all that other crap when I don't need it? You know, um, so that that might be the one good thing that came from from the, you know, the whole COVID thing is that, you know, there was a realization uh, from some companies that, you know, hey, I can I can save on some overhead costs, which in theory might be nice because you're thinking I can make some more room on my payroll. However, there's a labor shortage. So this is just the interesting stuff that we are dealing with today. And uh Yeah. Whatever industry you're in, I hope you're. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying healthy. Um, you know, I hope you're working. I hope you're not getting worked to the bone. That's the other challenge. I mean, I know some people that have actually decided to retire a year or two earlier than they planned because you know the mentality is like, listen, I put my time in. I've been doing this 25, 30 years, and I feel like we're going backwards in terms of how hard I have to work. And I get it. I get it. I, you, I, I don't want to say it's a sense of entitlement because I think when you've put your time in, you are entitled to have those feelings because you, you've done it. You know, you've trained how many people, you've been loyal for so long, and it's just, you know, now it's more, faster, harder. Um, so if you're in your 60s, if you're at that point in your career where you're like, you know what? 
I'm financially sound. I have all my ducks in a row. I've been responsible. I've worked hard. Thank you. Peace out. Here's my retirement resignation. I'm going to enjoy the grandkids. I'm going to travel. I'm going to take up golf. I'm going to sit in my house, stare out the window. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm just not going to be doing it here. And uh, so we're seeing that. So this is interesting, Exposed Ones. Again, I'm not going to go on any further. I just want to get on here. I wanted to give you a podcast, let you know what's up, let you, let you know how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. Not that you care. Maybe you care if you do. Thank you. I care how you're doing too. Obviously, that's why I talk about some of this stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll be getting some more guests in here soon. Um, some of our usual suspects will be talking with us a little bit more. But yeah, this was basically just touch base, give you some perspective. And, you know, it's been a tough 20, 22 months for a lot of us. And over the last couple of weeks, I've, you know, there's been some stress, obviously, on my end. I'm not Teflon or bulletproof to that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it's been going. That's the perspective. I'm just grateful that there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, as I say, people are going back to sports games. People are getting together. People are getting married again, which I know sounds silly, but there was a ton of people that postponed their weddings or they had to downsize it massively or, you know, cancel the big party and go to a justice of the peace. And that's unfortunate because, you know, these are milestones in life um, that, you know, you had to curb them a little bit. Adversely, uh, the end of days, the the end of life, how many people over these last 20 to 22 months uh, died lonely because you can't go visit them in the hospital. I mean, I'm in that situation right now. My my mother's going to need some things done and I don't want to talk about her health on here. I, I don't think that's right. Um, but we, we definitely have some concerns for Ma. And, uh, you know, these are things where if she does need any procedures done um, and then if she does have to spend any time uh, in the hospital recovering from said procedures, you know, we may or may not be able to even go visit her. I think at this time right now, as far as hospital settings go, there's no visitors. So that's another challenge. And, you know, I have a lot of empathy towards that. And, uh, you know, I know some people that have had to deal with that and uh, had to deal with, you know, their loved ones at the old house real quick before I get going. I'll just tell a story and hopefully this touches your heart a little bit and makes you want to go home and uh, give your give your spouse a hug and a kiss. But, uh, you know, we lived across the street from uh, a gentleman named Mr. Wegman for, you know, almost the full 13 years. And, you know, suddenly we noticed that there was a lot of activity at his house and things were going out to the street corner. And we knew his, his wife's health was sort of in a decline. So they had to put her more or less in an assisted living nursing home. And so flash forward a few weeks after they make that decision, we noticed there's activity at the house there's furniture and whatnot going out to the curb. And it's just the telltale sign of, oh my God, he's moving. He's selling the house or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, we, we got down to it and we learned that that was the only way that he could see his wife. He couldn't live in his house and go visit her. So he had to apply for residency to this facility that she was in. And I'm, I'm not sure which one it is. 
and uh, I haven't been obviously haven't seen him or heard from him in almost a year, year and some change now. So I don't know if they're still with us. I don't know how they're doing. I hope they are. Um, but that was the cro- That that was the fork in the road that uh, he had to come to. He couldn't live in his house anymore, a home that they had spent the better part of fifty years building together. Um, they're one of the original owners on the street, as far as I know. And he had to make the decision to get rid of it. Uh, and, and, and in getting rid of it, I'm sure it hurt because you got to get rid of some of her, like some of that furniture and whatever else that they had out in the street. I'm sure some of that was, you know, hers, her style, her design, whatever. You know, the ladies like to put a touch on the house. And he had to make a very hard decision to basically, the only way I could see my wife and spend the end of our time together with her is to move into this facility. Otherwise, I can't see her. Um, so think about that, not to depress you at the very end of this podcast, but just keep it in perspective. Every day is a blessing, and go home and hug the ones you love. Exposed Ones, thank you so much. Appreciate you listening. And until next time, I'm Jay North. This is Northern Exposure.